Aloha everyone and welcome back to Flying Sisters Solo. I am once again your Captain Niall Murray speaking and there is an intro coming. Jack Flanagan, friend of the show of course, messaged me after the last podcast. He went, now. this is great. But the one thing it's missing is a catchy jingle to start off every show. So, I've written some bores and I've sent them off to other friend of the show, Emmett McManus. To hopefully have them back to me by Friday's episode. No pressure on it. Before we get into the show, we've got some great topics this week. Because actual sport happened other than the international break this week. Which I failed to address in my Friday episode. For that I apologise folks. And I don't make excuses over here. But I will tell you that Friday's episode was the first and only episode that will be done of Flanks' solo Without me having a piece of paper with lines on it in front of me. I can only apologise. I had merely got the Instagram responses from friends of the show. It's not prepared enough. I expect better. You expect better. Before we get into this week's episode. I'm going to have a minute's silence. For friend of the show Dak Prescott. Stalwart of the It Is What It Is. Fantasy football team. American football quarterback for my exclusively European football fan listeners so all of you but just before we get into it broke his ankle yesterday may or may not tank my fantasy football season so I'm just going to have a quick minute silence this is a minutes reference with a with a different tinge to usual far more heartbroken about this one I'm not sure I can justify making people listen through a full minute. I've broken it anyway. Well, you got something like 13 seconds of silence. That's It shows that we at at the Flying Sisters Solo family care very deeply for you, Dak. We hope a speedy recovery, uh, but not too speedy because I have dropped you from my team now. So, I wish you all the best, Dak. I hope you get paid this off-season. The bloke was due to make... Something like a hundred and sixty million dollars, and has instead shattered his ankle into a million bits. It's a very, very harsh look. Uh, anyway, let's get into the into the episode. Last night, LeBron James, or as he's referred to, LeBron James, won his fourth championship. He won his fourth Finals MVP, although he should have about nine. And it wasn't easy. It really wasn't. I obviously did the show on Friday before Danny Green missed a wide open three. And then Markeith Morris made probably the second most retarded play in NBA Finals history. After the J.R. Smith Finals play from a few years ago. So LeBron has constantly had to overcome completely retarded teammates to make it to being a four times champion. But he's done it. On an outrageous stat line. He shot 57% over the course of a finals. He never ceases to amaze. The bloke is 35 years old. And was just runaway finals MVP. Despite what my occasional co-host David McCann said through games 1 and 2. Then again. After a season in which he got every NBA basketball take wrong possible. Why could he not just end up with two more? Fair play to the bloke. 
over the course of the finals, we saw great performances from rural players, such as KCP, Rondo, well, obviously playoffs Rondo. It wouldn't have just been normal Rajon Rondo. Had to be playoffs Rondo. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was utterly dreadful. No one is surprised. Then we see, on the other side of things, Kelly Olenek torched defensive stalwart Anthony Davis for two games. But, sure, we'll not listen We'll not listen to that. We're too busy slandering the greatest basketball player of all time to listen to the fact that the guy who was backpacking him through the playoffs, according to some media outlets, got legitimately scorched by seven-foot white guy with a ponytail, Kelly Olenek, who just kept shooting the same shot from outside, and AD could not contend with it. Then you had the outstanding performances of... Uh, Former friend of the show and former Minnesota Timberwolf, Jimmy Butler, uh, or as he will be referred to from this point on as either TJ Warren with better help or Andre Roberson with more free throws. Those are your two options. You can take either. I'm not giving this narrative that he's now suddenly a top 10 NBA player because the last time I let a bloke go from the middle tier of NBA basketball to be a superstar, it was Paul George. And he slapped me up and down for having that opinion this year. Fuck me, he's been brutal. So look forward to Jimmy Butler returning to Earth next year. And potentially losing a few of his, his complimentary pieces. And having Tyler Harrow step into a role where he shoots 16 times a night. And makes 6 at best. But he he has a certain, a certain mentality that allows inefficiency because he'd make 2 shots later on. I'm not going to get into it. Not going to get into it. So, congratulations LeBron. Congratulations the Lakers. Congratulations Rob Palenka. That guy's a great GM. Kept Kyle Kuzma. And he could have kept Brandon Ingram. Great GM. Deserves a lot of credit. Then, also this week, we had the international break. Which, I'm not sure if anyone counted. But on the Friday episode of Flanks This Is Zolo was mentioned 175 times. I'm not sure if it actually happened, but people are definitely talking about the fact that there was football played. Uh, English superstar creative midfielder Mason Mount continued his legendary run of fortune that has led him to become a professional footballer by scoring a wickedly deflected goal to beat Belgium. The hype's starting to build again, which I'm really enjoying. Because as long as the hype builds... We know that somewhere down the line, there is just complete devastation for the hard Brexit Stella Brigade. And I can't fucking wait. I can't wait till we're like, Euro quarterfinals, they've got Portugal. Like, Joe Felix is injured. And they're thinking, this could really be it this time. And they lose 3-1, but there's one contentious decision that they hold on to for the next fucking 80 years. But what if the Lampard goal went in? Fuck off. Get out of my face. But what if Kane squared it? Sterling would have missed. He's the least efficient finisher on the planet. I love English fans' optimism when it doesn't matter. Because God knows when it does matter they're going to bottle it. They started Eric Dyer. They started Eric Dyer at centre half. This is not a team that is built for long-term success. They play Mason Mount. 
set-piece specialist, Mason Mount. In other words, cannot play from open play, Mason Mount. I'm nearly certain, at one stage, he was playing on the right wing. Fulfilling his all-time comparison to David Beckham, as in they're two blokes with a quiff that have absolutely no business playing winger. That's his full Beckham transformation has been completed. In other news, Albania may have beaten Bosnia. I feel like that was a fixture. The Faroe Islands, probably lost. Seems like a safe bet. No Premier League football was played. <laughs> because, God forbid, we'd, we'd play actual football when the three Lions could beat Wales. A Wales team who was more English than the actual fucking English team, by the way. I hate international football so very much. I actually watched the Germany game. I'm kidding. No, I didn't. They were playing Ukraine. Who's watching that fixture? A lot of great photos of Ronaldo with Mbappe, though. A, lot of, a, a, few, a few staunch Ronaldo fans might have a new screensaver of him hugging, hugging young Killian. But apart from that... We didn't really get much out of the old international break, given that game finished nil-nil and was dry as dust. It's mad that we don't even have, like, we don't even have transfer talk anymore. We've had so, we were just so blessed with constant football chatter that I thought two podcasts predominantly about football a week would be more than feasible. It isn't. It's not. I'm running out of things to talk about. We're only ten minutes in. There's your second minutes reference I am currently in the process of tinkering with my fantasy Premier League wildcard team if anyone in the top 100 leaderboard feels safe at the minute you clearly haven't heard because my wildcard team is sheesh it's nice like sort of team that would make you wow that guy clearly knows a lot about football but a lot about leverage too over the years, he's learned that you can't just play the same players as everybody else. Sometimes, you gotta, you gotta look. I just drew a box, and then it drew me outside it. That's where I am right now. I'm thinking outside the box. And I've got a few players that once it all comes back, people are going to be like, wow, this guy. Not only are his players getting a lot of touches, he's also on the ball. I don't know how I've managed to get a minute segment out of that, but... Slowly but surely, I'm gonna f- I'm gonna fill the time in this podcast. I'm telling you right now. This week, <laughs> we're about to go into uncharted territory. Tennis. Rafael Nadal won his thirteenth French Open and his twentieth total Grand Slam. Obviously, without the French Open, Rafael Nadal would be David Ferrer with a stronger forehand. But congratulations to the grunting Spaniard for winning the same competition for the thirteenth time. Some more versatile tennis players would have to go out and win multiple tournaments multiple times. Obviously, Roger only has one French. But at the same time, when you are playing against the most dominant clay court player of all time, you can sort of give that. Obviously, greatest tennis player of all time, Novak Djokovic, was very unlucky to lose the final. After being robbed of the US Open. By an umpire who dived. Honestly, it was a it was a very 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 dominant performance by Rafael Nadal. I'm not I'm not his biggest fan. 
he would be the third of the the big four in my eyes. But at the same time, God, he can fucking win that French. But the good news is, my namesake Andy Murray has come out and said that it's now completely down to Nadal and Novak for who will win the tennis goat race. Megan Rapinoe would say it was Serena Williams, but then again, if I played pump full of TRT in the women's game, I'd probably win a few championships. Allegedly. Allegedly, obviously. Obviously, allegedly. You know, I'd never make a brash sweeping statement on my podcast, Flying This Is A Solo, without any without any basis, and not say the word allegedly. Goodness. Catch yourself on. Far too smart for that shit. Then we had, at the weekend, an F1 Grand Prix at the Nürburgring, which didn't happen. And it wasn't won by Lewis Hamilton. And he has not now equaled Michael Schumacher's Grand Prix record. Very harsh of him to do it, given Michael's current situation. I personally, given I, I'm, I'm more classy guy than that, I probably would have just left the record as it was. So that's just me. You've won enough, Lewis. You've got enough sponsorships. You dated Nicole Scherzinger. While your teammate had to date that Japanese woman, Jessica Michibiata. I remember this all. It's all ingrained very strongly in my memory. We've got a birthday shout out this week. Happy birthday, producer Caleb. Doesn't, hasn't quite made the transition over to producing Flangs as a Zolo yet. But was integral in the early days of Slightly Hysterical Sports. And has housed all of the equipment, all of the mics, edited a a podcast or two in his time, made a few thumbnails in his time, carried me to a few Warzone wins. He's done it all. And thankfully, at no stage did he decide to bring the birthday trip to Derry back. Thank fuck. That's that's what I'm most grateful to him for. Uh, I look forward to finishing recording this and going and playing six or seven hours of Call of Duty where towards the end of it no one really talks much we're just so angry but yeah happy birthday to Caleb uh, owner of a sizable lead over me in the House of Lords Fantasy League but for how long? I imagine by the end of the next week we'll have a different view on that I can only apologise folks, I did take an hour and a half break to eat a delicious Belgium and may or may not have watched the first half of American Pie 2 for the 51st time. So, slight chance, I have no recollection of where I was in the podcast. And when I say slight chance, I mean that is exactly what has happened. I presume that I covered... uh, Nadal being a fraud, Novak being the goat, Hamilton being very unkind, and I believe I said happy birthday to friend of the show, producer Caleb. So I think it is about time that we get into everyone's favourite topic, and that's the topics that you provide as friends of the show. God, you're a bunch of great guys and gals. Mostly guys, I'm not going to lie. I don't think we've had a single female. Uh, First friend of the show this week is 
Harry Cleary, very, very happy to see his Lakers win the chip last night. Very, very deluded about the future of the franchise, given that their guards are still ass. And his topic was just simply, will LeBron win six rings? I hope so. Because it is the last semblance of an argument that the old heads have. Uh, But with the current franchise, the current team, I don't know. I don't think so. I think ultimately the championship this year might lead to the Lakers deciding to just hold on to what they have. Which would not be a good idea. Because their third best player was Rajon Rondo. Which is a god awful look. Uh, If they could somehow like pull the wool over somebody's eyes and convince them to take Kyle Kuzma. That would be a pretty good look. If they hadn't paid Danny Green 15 million and instead had gone for a Bogdanovich, that would have been a much better look. There's a few good free agent point guards out there that could be a real good scoring impact for that team. Like I know actually the guy they just beat, Goran Dragic, is going to be an unrestricted free agent and would potentially take a veteran's minimum to come win a ring in LA. That could be huge. That would be a really nice signing that they could go to for reliable scoring off the start. And then if you wanted to rest LeBron, then you bring in Rondo for his playmaking off the bench. But as for the current backcourt situation, I really don't know if they can withstand another another year. Also, the fact that over the course of their playoffs run, they really didn't play a team that has reliable shooting everywhere, which would likely be their kryptonite, because obviously where we saw them excel defensively last night was where Davis was allowed to sag into the paint, and essentially they were just allowing Miami to shoot from the outside, knowing that they're not, that they're not reliable from outside. So in the upcoming season with teams like the Golden State Warriors being presumably back to full strength, maybe even stronger, given we don't know what's going to happen with them and their high draft pick. And obviously, the Minnesota team that's about to come through, having shooting all around the floor with Booker, Russell and Towns, and obviously Towns coming off his My Ma's Dead revenge season. That's going to be huge. This could could be a, a really testing season. For LeBron once again. He's also... He still is getting older. Like, I know we just saw him put up a pretty much flawless playoff series. But at the same time... He can't do this forever. He's also a borderline alcoholic. He loves wine way too much. And as and as many fucking antioxidants as it has... It can't be good for him in the long run. AD's only going to get better, you have to imagine, now that he's won that first ring and he has that stigma off his back because everybody knows once you're a champion, you have a different lease of life in the NBA. Even though you're the same player, most players arguably go down once they win the championship, but I think AD's about to put up a really nice season next year, might make a good MVP run. 
because I think LeBron should probably err on the side of load management in the regular season and focus exclusively on a really strong playoffs run again. As for the additions, I said Dragic is probably their best option from just a standpoint of knowing how little cap they have to work with and knowing how little trade assets they have because they gave away legitimately everything for AD. I think they're going to come in next season the favourites. But with teams like the Clippers are going to be back, hopefully without Patrick Beverly, which would be absolutely huge for them. Or if they manage to get rid of a Lou Will and also got just a league average point guard. Houston won't be back because they're going to be playing four foot five players of point guard and playing Russell Westbrook at center. Denver are only going to improve with their young core and the greatest player in the league, Michael Porter Jr., about to take a huge, huge step next year. Then you've got the Eastern Conference teams. KD's back. How healthy is KD? No one really knows. Off an Achilles tear, he could come back as strong as he was. Because, let's face it, as athletic as he is, that's never been his strength. So he could still just play that game that he plays where he just comes into the paint, shoots over a smaller defender and scores 35 points a game with relative ease. He's not going to be as much of a factor on the defensive end like he was in the sort of second and third Warrior seasons where he seemed to be everywhere. But he's still going to be amazing. He's still obviously the purest scorer of a basketball we've ever seen. Sorry to the old heads. Then obviously Yanis, can he come off what was a relatively disappointing postseason? He wasn't the greatest, but he is still our generation Shaq. He's still utterly unstoppable at his best. Can they add a third option there? Miami will likely end up somewhere in the lottery next year because they're a terrible team and their focal point is Jimmy Butler. I have a lot of great hustle, though. Uh, I can't imagine Miami will repeat the success of this year. Uh, because for a start, Jimmy Butler might actually be favoured for once. And how's he going to have an underdog mentality then? You 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 picture me that. How's Jimmy Butler going to play from behind with the underdog spirit if he's favoured? It's not going to work, is it? I also think they lose Goran Dragic, who was absolutely massive for them in the postseason. Who are they going to replace him with? Maybe a 25-year-old rookie shooting specialist. That seems to be their go-to. Other than that, I don't know how next season's NBA season is going to go. You've got a lot of factors such as certain teams who could potentially move certain ways with the draft, with trading incoming. It's going to be interesting. Will it be a case of a shortened season again. LeBron's won two rings in shortened seasons now. Obviously that's not a detracting point. For any morons thinking that could somehow take away from his greatness. But LeBron does tend to do well in seasons that are shorter. So that could also be a factor. I think he might end with five. I think LeBron James will probably end his career with five rings. Whether it's next year, I don't know. All I do know is that 
come 2021 when Yanis makes his free agency decision that's when it becomes a great deal tougher for LeBron to continue winning from that point let's face it like LeBron could go to the Kings tomorrow they'd be a fifth seed next year he's that good at basketball he's that good at creating offense he's the greatest of all time for a reason but it's just a case of we are in the most competitive era of NBA basketball that the world's ever seen I hope he gets six but in my opinion he was the greatest of all time at three so I don't think whether he ends with four five or six makes any real difference in my eyes and I'm one of the premier knowledges on sport on the planet so I feel like he's already the greatest whether he wins his sixth who really cares I'd like him to win a, a fifth MVP or maybe Marcus All can just hand over the DPOY he robbed of him. That'd be nice for his all-time resume. But thanks, Harry, for the question. Congrats on the chip. And I look forward to beating you in a fantasy football game sometime soon. Then, second topic is from friend of the show. Only recent. He was never an SSS listener, this fella. Uh, but that maybe... Maybe that's because of outside of regional Gaelic. He really didn't know sports till about a year and a half ago. That's my friend Owen McCauley. Uh, and he said, Why LeBron James will never be said to have the same winning mentality as Jordan. And he knows why he said it. He said it to poke the bear. Well, consider me poked. I'm fucking furious. Do you know why LeBron will never be said to have the same winning mentality as Jordan? Because LeBron's a nice bloke. He's not an absolute dickhead and that's why he'll never be said to have the same winning mentality as Jordan or Butler because they're both absolute fucking dickheads that are impossible to fucking treat nicely because they're just oh he said something nasty about me I had to go out and drop 35 on 28 shot attempts on him like it's fucking bullshit it's absolute nonsense that the winning mentality is just shooting a fucking ton of very inefficiently shooting turnaround fadeaway jumpers. That's not how to win in basketball, especially modern basketball. People were legitimately upset that at the end of game five, LeBron James kicked away from a quadruple team to hit wide open Danny Green in the finals, where he is, of course, finals Danny Green, and Danny Green missed. They said, LeBron, I don't know. But the greats I know of, they would have dribbled out and took the shot. Why? Why would they have dribbled out and took the shot? It's a worse basketball play. Just because the American media are so obsessed with having the, having the sole responsibility for winning on one bloke's shoulders. That's not how it works. It's a team sport. If you can kick out to your team's three-point specialist... At the three-point line, with about 12 yards of space to end a game, rather than shooting a contested one-handed jumper over four defenders, how is that ever the bad play? But maybe if LeBron had a gambling addiction that would ultimately lead to his father's death, allegedly, and maybe if LeBron was generally less efficient, generally a worse teammate, passed the ball a lot less and was a lot less complete as a basketball player then maybe he could too 
have the killer mentality despite having the most playoff winning shots of all time despite having the most playoff points of all time despite never missing a playoffs game and despite never being dominated in the first round of the playoffs instead having the NBA record for most sweeps in the first round of the playoffs unlike MJ who despite being greatest basketball player of all time greatest mentality of all time got out hustled because let's face it MJ's a great basketball talent how the Pistons beat him they were more of a hustle team how was MJ the greatest hustler of all time out hustled Wow. That's crazy, that. Jimmy was never in the first round of a playoffs. LeBron James. Hmm, that never happened. But of course, when you have a perfect setup, like the greatest coach of all time, a top two defender of all time, and an unbelievable rebounder, along with yourself, who, by all accounts, is an NBA superstar. One of the greatest players of all time. Top 20. For sure. So how then. Can you not win. Given the league's next best competitor. Involve a 6 foot 1 white guy. Who can only throw lobs. To. A rapist. That's your next best competition. Or a solitary Charles Barkley. Like one six foot six fat par forward on his own. You put that MJ Bulls team against the Warriors, they lose forty five games in a row. And it's I honestly don't think they run them particularly close. If the Shaq and Kobe Lakers came five years earlier, Michael Jordan would be talked about as a slightly less athletic Vince Carter. Simple as MJ in the modern game is Andrew Wiggins. But he has mentality. We just saw Jimmy Butler has the best mentality in the league. Lost to LeBron still. But LeBron doesn't have that clutch winning mentality. How do you just beat that in Jimmy Butler then? How? Doesn't make much sense, does it? Given he doesn't have the winning mentality to be able to get himself over the edge. He's just arguably the greatest lifter of a teammate in NBA history. He's just the guy that got Zadrunas Ilgauskas doing NBA Finals. Hmm. It's, just all, it's all very interesting to me. How MJ is renowned as being the mentality guy that has... the He's got the clutch gene. He's the most winning basketball player of all time. But without the legitimate perfect scenario, he was getting swept. That's just me. That's just me just, you know, thinking. And he's such a, he's such a great basketball guys MJ he just loves the game so much that's why at the peak of his powers he retired to play baseball maybe if LeBron was a dickhead that alienated his own family uh, and made his own children hate him then he could be renowned as a great winner rather than you know a better basketball player than MJ and also the sort of guy that is just constantly being a philanthropist and a focal point for his own community and for really any underprivileged community. But if you think about it, he doesn't have a mean streak. So why can he be considered amongst the greats? He doesn't have a mean streak. He's just the most athletic player of all time.
who has the basketball IQ of Magic Johnson and has a pretty reliable outside shot, which no one ever talks about. But he doesn't have a mean streak, so how can he be considered? He's just a 270-pound freight train that dominates every defense in the league and has done for 15 consecutive years. Coming fresh out of high school. Didn't have to do 107 years in college like MJ. Uh, coming into the league as pretty much a 25-year-old adult. Obviously hyperbolic. But he came into the league as an 18-year-old. And showed more poise. And ability to take a game over. Than most players could ever see in their career. As an 18 year old. If only he had that main streak. Maybe he would have made some of himself. He's better than MJ ever was at 16. But. That's that's for a different day. That's for a different day. Sometimes. Sometimes the 6 foot 6. 220 pound guy. Is stronger and more athletic. And more able to contend with the physical 80s. Than the 6 foot 9. 270 pound guy. Maybe that's just me. Maybe. Maybe I could be wrong on that one. Thank you, Macaulay, for your fucking dumbass suggestion. His second topic is actually much more reasonable. Uh, a player I'm often harsh on. Is Mo Salah the most underrated PL footballer of all time? It's an argument. I don't think it's a correct one. But out of nowhere, Mo Salah really came in and was the ultimate hype job in his first season. Only to then... Do very similar things the next two seasons. And get a hell of a lot less credit. Bear in mind, I don't think he's the most underrated Premier League footballer of all time. I think that honour does go to Wayne Rooney. Because Wayne Rooney is the top scorer of the all-time great Premier League club, Manchester United. And people legitimately talk about him as if he is a granny shagging shrub. People have completely just washed their minds of Wayne Rooney's existence. And that one season where he could not stop scoring glanced headers. He was unbelievable that year. You know exactly what year I'm talking about. It was the year of the United shirt with the black V in the middle. He could not stop scoring. He immediately fulfilled a role in which he was unable to do. Because we had, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, best footballer of all time. He immediately became the focal point of the attack and just couldn't stop scoring. He did try and leave the club eight or nine times. Which I'm not a massive fan of. But at the same time. God he was a good footballer. Stunning on his day. Other most underrated Premier League footballers. Van Persie. I, I understand I have just listed two United players. But I don't know who else. Torres has kind of been brushed over. Given how exceptional he was. Because of how bad he ended. Other examples that immediately come to mind for me are Carvalho was insanely underrated. Gilberto Silva never really gets talked about in terms of all-time good Premier League DMs. Was phenomenal at his time. Ledley King obviously gets the credit he deserves from people that know football because of how good he could have been. But I think for the most part he's never really talked about. Because of how many times he was injured. God that kid could play. Then even more recently. Someone like a Leighton Baines. Just. Consistently excellent. 
I feel like if you'd asked me this question four years ago, it's so much easier because the answer is just in Golo Kante, and it's not even close. But since then, Kante's made Team of the Years, and has obviously won a Player of the Year. It's very, very tough to argue that he hasn't been rated as exactly what he is, which is a top five Premier League midfielder of all time, in my opinion. The answer might be Sergio Aguero. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure people do argue that he is one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all time. But in my opinion... He is the greatest Premier League striker of all time. And I don't think it's particularly close. Thierry Henry is a better footballer than him. But I think as a pure, just clinical, clear-cut finisher, there's no one better than Sergio Aguero. And his own manager doesn't even seem to appreciate that. Obviously, his own manager is the most overrated manager in Premier League history and football history. But at the same time, it's... Incredible to think that some people wouldn't have Sergio Aguero in an all-time Premier League team. Like, that is legit. If you have the audacity to, when making an all-time Premier League team, go up front, Thierry Henry, you're alright. You're doing pretty well. Thierry Henry was a phenomenal player. Top two Premier League player of all time in my eyes. But if you're second striker... Is Alan Shearer. What I want you to do. Is I want you to take your piece of paper with lines on them. There you go. I want you to scrumple it up. Like so. And I want you to fucking eat it. Because if you are dumb enough. To think that Alan Shearer. Is a better all time Premier League striker. Than Sergio Aguero. You are officially full scale mental. He's not in the same fucking universe. Aguero eats and shits Shearer. If you put Didier Drogba on that list, I I honestly hope you are Didier Drogba or one of his family. Scored a lot in finals, fuck off. Right in my face. So, your second topic was much better, Macaulay. Your first topic was hateful beyond belief. Uh, I look forward to seeing you respond to my takes in the near future. Thank you for your topics. Final topic came from an entity known only as Harry Moss and it's two topics uh, one is just what are your thoughts on Stussy generally positive like it as a brand would never say anything negative about it potentially even on the horn jobs new sofa uh, and the second question is a topic very close to my own heart and it's what are your thoughts on dressing from the shoes up Just what sort of ignorant fool would dress in the shoes up? A terrible way to dress. I dress exclusively from the trousers up, then I go down. I pick socks before shoes. Shoes, not for me. Not for me. Thank you very much for your topics, folks. The slightly longer episode this week, uh, because I got I got a little bit uh, aggrieved about Michael Jordan for the first time in my sporting career to be fair to me you gotta give me that never once in my podcasting career or my life in general have I ever been known to be angry about Michael Jordan so just once just let me have this 
thank you very much to the boys for sending in their topics. Uh, once again, happy birthday, producer Caleb. I have been your captain, Niall Murray. You have been flying solo. Safe home. Good night.